Jazz Experience, Season 2. Let's go! Thanks for joining us for Season 2. Join the conversation with Nat, Dez, and friends as they share how to transform culture through family. Hey guys, welcome to the Matt and Dez Experience. I'm your co-host, Matt Gonzalez. Dez cannot be with us today on this episode, but we are excited to get into this. I have one of my great friends, Jamil Steele, on the podcast today. We're going to continue our series, which we started three weeks ago, and it started with It's a Time to Listen. And last week we had Tiffany Lane, and we talked about A Time to Learn. And this week we want to talk about A Time to Grow. And I couldn't think of anybody else that I would love to be on this podcast to really go, uh, you know, really have a conversation, an intelligent conversation about what's happening in our nation right now than Jamil and just uh, hearing his uh, his heart, his passion, his story. Uh, Jamil and his wife have been just friends of ours and we've connected. As you guys know, we've done campus ministry for many years. Him and his wife uh, are part of uh, one of the most influential I would say campus ministries that I've been a part of and been able to do some outreach with. And uh, they just are raising up world changers. And uh, I know he has a powerful story uh, that he's going to share today. We're going to get into some conversations. So Jamil, thank you for being on the podcast today. Man, super excited. Thanks for uh, man having me on. Honestly, I feel like uh, this is like a, a a childhood dream of mine, man. I just you know, from the very, you know, you were there with me as a student. I still remember you coming to our Chi Alpha and just ministering and just speaking so powerfully. And man, I trust you, Matt. Uh, I trust you and Des because uh, you are one of the few people in my life that has consistently, and I mean consistently, <laughs> uh, given a prophetic word, word of knowledge. And uh, within a year or two, they've consistently come to pass. And so, man, just thanks for always being in my corner. Uh, me and Vanessa believing in us. And so, honestly, this is a huge honor to even be considered to be on this podcast. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm excited, bro. This is going to be good. And we want to just continue this conversation about what's happening in our nation, even concerning uh, the death of George Floyd, which kind of yeah. sparked it, even though we know this has been going on uh, more than that. I think Will Smith said it best, you know, uh, the killing of innocent, specifically black men, and women has been going on for a long time. It's just now it was videoed and, yeah. you know, to, to see that. And we just want to have an intelligent conversation because a lot of stuff that's happening right now is out of passion and emotion. Yeah. And uh, sometimes when you're in passion, emotion, there's not much intelligence. Like I said, the last two episodes, we, we really are building a strategy that, you know, it is a time to listen. It's yeah. a time to learn and then a time to grow. And, you know, yeah. leadership right now in our nation, it's in a reformation period because, yeah. you know, leadership in the past was leading from a platform speaking. But right now we really believe that leadership mm. and leading looks like listening and yeah. that's around the table. And so uh, can you just uh, tell the listener a little bit about who is Jamil, uh, what you do, some of your passions, and then we'll go ahead and get into this conversation. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, my wife and I, uh, man, we just have uh, been campus missionaries for going on 12 years now. Uh, we serve as the directors of Central Valley Chi Alpha. 
um, helping oversee four campuses, work with an incredible team, incredible team. Uh, UC Merced, the Sanchez's are killing it out there. My wife and I help oversee Stanislaus State. But honestly, we have a vision uh, to see the kingdom of heaven manifest on our campus and delivered to the nations. Like oh, it's right. it's like it's like the kingdom has to come. What does it look like in heaven? We want to see it manifest, make itself present, tangible on our campus. And we have an assignment to send laborers out into the nations, whether it's the marketplace, whether it's mission field. Um, and so our mission is simple. We want to reach the lost and make disciples. Um, yeah. I think for Vanessa and I in particular, our kind of uh, the nuances of our heart, I would say, is really we have a conviction and a deep passion for culture and diversity. Um, mm-hmm. I know working in the movement that I primarily working with is Assemblies of God in Chi Alpha. Um, we're, we're making progress. There's a lot of changes uh, in terms of uh, more ethnic diversity. Um, but I just we just feel strongly that we're assigned to be in this movement to help expand the diversity portfolio and to really just give a, a different lens because man god's god's heart is the nations god's heart is every tribe every nation every tongue and i just feel like you know we all have to have our hand in the pot if we're going to be a true reflection of the kingdom of god and so yeah that's that's where we're at man we're in this for a lifetime we're super excited about what the future god has for us as a movement and yeah this is just a joy ride for us you know, Jimmy, this is what I, I love about you guys is how you guys are. You guys have such a multi-ethnic group that you guys are leading. I've been there on the campus with you guys, and you guys are really raising up world changers. Um, also, you, like me and Des, you, you and your wife, you are a, uh, you know, multiracial couple. Yes. And I, I love that. It is just beautiful. You know, and and uh, I just want to kind of get in this conversation with you. Uh, you know, as a as a black man in the United States. Yes, sir. I've been black my whole life. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, I'm sure you've seen a lot, you've experienced a lot, and uh, I want to just hear right now. Maybe you can tell the listener. You know, what what's your story? What's your backstory? Why has this uh, situation rose passion within you? Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just kind of get that conversation going on how we can grow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a different uh, series of circumstances that's happened. I remember, you know, when I was 14 years old, I, I talked about this in a video that I made recently. When I was 14 years old, my brother was a junior in high school. And I'll never forget, um, he was um, pulled over by, you know, police officers. Uh, right in front of our house. And I think it was about four police officers and they just came guns already drawn out. And honestly, my brother just got on his knees and started praying in tongues because he was like, I don't know, this could be the end. Um, And all the neighbors were out watching and, um, you know, they weren't just, we're talking like rifles pulled out the whole night and searched him. And then we get a knock on the door with the, you know, the head police officer saying, Hey, we're sorry. We just fit a basic description of a black man (laughs) driving a dark wow. car. And that was the reason why they had did that in front of our own house. And so, um, you know, experiences like that. I had a family friend growing up. His name was uh, Julian Alexander uh, in Anaheim, California, newly married. Wife was pregnant in his own house and uh, he heard some noises in the backyard. And so he went back out there to, like any good man, any good husband, to go protect uh, his house with a broomstick. Uh, went out there and they happened to be chasing a burglar. Uh, they, so they thought that it was him in his own backyard and they uh, mistakenly shot him. Um, oh, wow. And so they killed him and, you know, they ended up, you know, apologizing and gave them like, I think a million dollars for the mistake. 
Um, but again, it's it's situations like that where that's kind of shaped my uh, experience in terms of, you know, just realizing like, man, your color can at times be seen as a threat, not all the time. And, and I just want to preface with this, because you know, I, I kind of get this question a lot when I start sharing stories like these. I have the highest respect for police officers. Uh, I teach my kids to honor them. I honor them. You know, some of my friends are police officers. So this is in no way a disrespect or like no slamming police officers. Um, but I also, as a black man, am very aware that my skin can at times perceive to be a threat. And so, um, you know, I do plan to train my children one day to just be more cautious, like the way that my dad taught me. Um, that's very something common in the African-American community. You know, it's very common for fathers to teach. Uh, in fact, I was talking to uh, one of my mentors who's in the 60s. And that's, you know, he remembers his dad teaching him that. And then we're passing this down from generation to generation uh, is, is what you would call de-escalation training. Because, again, when when most black people, not all, but when most black people get pulled over, they're thinking one thing. I just want to get home alive. <laughs> like, I'm OK with getting the ticket. I just want to make sure I get home alive. Um, and so that's that's a problem. We should we shouldn't be here. Um, and so, no, it's not walking in the spirit of fear. But given that there's certain circumstances and experiences that I've experienced, that's kind of helped cultivate my mind and, and things like that. Well, that's a that's a powerful perspective, bro, because, you know, uh, to hear that and to know that's passed down. I mean, that, that's passed down from generation to have to prepare your children for that because of the skin color you are. I mean, that's man, that that's hard. I mean, just hearing you right now and just picturing that as a father having to have that conversation with your kids and, you know, um, my father, I just be honest, he's never had that conversation with me and yeah. uh, we've had other conversations, you know, uh, we've experienced racism as a Hispanic in California. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's different, man. It's, it's not like that. It hasn't been like that, but to hear that perspective is really, you know, it's, it's kind of an awakening. You know, I, I just got back. I had to go to Minneapolis. Yeah. God sent me to the epicenter and uh you know this. I mean I was texting you to pray for me and you know just saying, Hey, I'm I'm going. It's a last minute thing, man. Pray for me, bro, because yeah, yeah. I have an opportunity. Uh, but I'm glad I went because I realized a bunch of stuff when I was there. It was it was an awakening trip for me. Mm. And I actually got to go visit the actual um cup foods where uh George Floyd had uh passed away and and uh, being there in the epicenter, you know, I learned, I learned so much, bro. Wow. And, uh, uh, you know, one thing I want to say to the listener, um, don't believe everything you hear in media. Mm. Uh, I was there. I talked to a lot of the locals and Jamil, this is what they said. This has been a tragic death. And, and a lot of the locals I talked to, I went specifically to talk to the black men and women who were there. I wanted mm. to get their perspective. And one of the guys I talked to, he was one of the business owners uh, right next door to Cup Foods. And I was asking him, hey, talk to me. What's going on? What's happening? Yeah. He said, we want to stand peacefully here in Minneapolis on protests. We don't want riots. And he said, what the media is not telling you, a lot of these people who came in, these are from the people on the ground. Mm. A lot of these people who came in, we're bust in and we watch them come in from other cities, he said. And he said this, a majority of them tore down and burned our city. And he said this, Jimmy, this is what rocked me. And a majority of them were not even black. Wow. And so I do want to say this, y'all. 
those who are listening, what we're talking about is real. And we need to keep having this conversation. Mm. At the same time, as a believer in Christ, we need to have discernment to seek out the truth ourselves and don't just be force-fed what you're seeing on social media and on television. Yeah, You should know the truth and the truth will set you free. And part of the truth is you have to seek it out yourself. You have to have conversations. And I'm glad I had conversations with these guys. Wow. Be able to see it myself, man. Because like, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard right now. But I want to ask you, okay, you've experienced this. You You shared some... Some stories. I know um, when uh, we kind of first talked, when everything was going on, you know, it was really fresh. We were talking, you reached out to me mm-hmm. and you were talking about opportunities. And, and you said something that, man, when I got off the phone with you, I, I told Des and I just started crying, bro. You shared the conversation that you had to have with one of your kids, I believe. Can you allow the listener? I know that's, that's you know, a private conversation between you and your mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. But would you have a listener into that conversation right now? Just some of the things that you had shared with me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was after, you know, because one of our things about our son is we just feel like we're not going to hide stuff from them. With anything in life, I want my sons to know that they can talk to mom and dad and talk through anything. And so um, we, we're we not shy. We we talk about racism. And, Come on. Uh, we're talking, you know, they know about Martin Luther King and, we talked about slavery. We've had these conversations. Um, and I would just say to the listener, to those that are not um, a minority, I would say like racism conversations are not an option for a black person or a Mexican person. Yep. That's not an option. That's not a, like you, you need to yep. have that conversation. It's a must. Um, and so we're, we're having these conversations with them just to kind of let them know about our history. Um, and then so he's hearing that. And he's kind of grappling with it. Right. And then we start sharing him uh, with the Ahmaud Arbery uh, death because he could just tell that that was just painful. He, he was like, Dad, what's wrong? And I was like, man, Dad, Dad's grieving right now. Dad's having a hard time. Um, and I showed him. And he was like, Dad, that guy looks like you. And I was like, yeah, this is our brother. Um, and so but we're going to stand up for righteousness. And so I told him how I was being, you know, I just told him, like, this is what daddy is doing. I'm making phone calls. and. I was helping make phone calls and different things like that. And so then now George Floyd took place and then he hears us talking about George Floyd, me and Vanessa, and just our hearts are grieving once again. And he's just like, man, dad, I just wish I was white. And it wasn't because he's ashamed of being black. It wasn't because he's having an identity crisis. His words were, I wish I was white because I don't want to die for being black. In fact, I wish I was like, my youngest son, Kairos's color, because maybe I won't be killed because the darker, like he, he's literally sharing this. And, um, and I just said, man, that's, and one, God is going to protect you. Um, but two, um, man, not all white people are racist. Not all people are like this. And just, again, because I have to be able to help him walk through this because somebody else is going to tell him something else. And so, man, I just started showing, pointing out our friends that are white and saying, man, they're not like that. So he's having a hard time grappling are all white people like this. And so I'm having to walk him through this. The, the greater thing that I feel like the Lord is doing in this conversation is we're trying to teach him that because his name is Makan, which means voice of the people. And we feel like he has a prophetic assignment on his life to speak to the nations and to, to call the people of God to to hear his heart. So his name is Jamil Makan, beautiful voice of the people. And so I was like, man, Makan, you, you got to speak up as a righteous man. 
and speak out to these things, just like daddy and mommy are doing. And he's like, dad, I don't want you to be speaking out, you know? And I was like, why? He was like, because righteous men die for when they speak out. Look at Martin Luther King. He was a righteous man. Wow. He got killed. My son's very smart. Wow. And I just told him, I said, listen, son, as men of God, as Stells, we are righteous. And even if it means that we die for righteous sake, that's what Jesus did. And so we're not cowards. We don't back down, even if it means our life. Because, wow. And so it was a very sobering conversation. But I believe these are the building blocks that help formulate the assignment on his life. Because we're all shaped by our experiences. We all have our own stories. Um, and so that's a very real conversation. While, that's, while it's redemptive in its nature, again, I think that speaks to the condition of our current nation as to why would a seven-year-old come to that conclusion? And you know what's crazy, man, is that that is a common statement for black kids. I was talking to a mentor of mine who's 60. He was like, man, when you said that, Jamil, because I shared it at an open prayer vigil, he was like, dang, I looked at my wife. He said, do you remember saying that when you were little too? She was like, yep. And they're 60. So we have black people wishing they were white. Again, not because they're not identity crisis, but it's very clear. Hey, your skin color gets you different privileges. Yep. And so, um, and so anyways, I, you know, having seen all that perspective again, how do you, how do you both face the reality of, of the challenges that are in front of you, but not become a victim of it either? Like I'm not interested in my son becoming a victim and being scared and walking around like everybody's out to get him. No, that's not going to be my son. He's going to know that he can do all things through Christ. There's no limitations on his life. Um, but equally I want him to be aware of the challenges (laughs) that are in front of him. Right. Um, and so that's kind of what where Vanessa and I have stood in terms of where we're at with our son right now. Man, I love that what you're saying right now because, uh, you know, in the last episode we talked about this right now, you know, um, in my father's day, you became a hero because you did Hororian acts. Like you overcame something. Right now in today's culture, Jamil, what is happening is if you say you're a victim, you automatically are celebrated as a hero without overcoming anything. Mm. And so we've empowered a generation, we've imprisoned them Mm. by, if you're a victim, we're going to celebrate you and label you a hero because you, you know, you overcame the fear of sharing that. But the problem is in my father's day, you know, you became, you were celebrated as a hero because you overcame something. Mm. And so what we're seeing right now, I even believe with the cancel culture, with everything that's going on, that, you know, if you hold on to this victim mentality long enough, you know, it's going to pay off. Mm. And, and, yeah. you know, it's, I, and, and I love what you just said, but I want to ask you a question. Okay. Because, you know, Ultimately, we're talking about how do we grow from this? Yeah. One of the things I so value, and, you know, I, I remember, uh, I think I shared this with you prophetically, you know, you're getting so many opportunities to speak right now on this topic and speak intelligently and cause lasting transformation. And uh, one of the things I'm, I'm hearing from you is as, as, a, as a black man, but also an, a leader within uh, Christianity is that what I'm hearing from you is, Hey, this is a real issue we need to talk about. Let's not avoid it. But at the same time, I'm not hearing you 
shaming white people. Yeah. Like you haven't, I, I you haven't, you're not putting the shame to keep owning something. Yeah. But you're wanting to see transformation, even how you honored, you know, all races just a few minutes ago, how you honored cops. How did you get there? Because you experienced pain. You've experienced, you know, your story. How, like, how did you go from pain into a restoration mindset? Man, I would say experience is understanding. And here's what I mean by that. Um, I grew up uh, going to a predominantly black church. Yeah. Then I came up here to college. And before I started going to my current church, I went to a non-denominational, but it was like a low-key black church. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just a black church, right? And so God is moving. And then I started getting involved in Chi Alpha. And at the time when um, the previous director, my friend, my mentor, friend, one of my closest friends, his name is Jeremy Anderson. Um, but at the time when they first took over, they started Chi Alpha, it was predominantly white. But Jeremy and Deborah had a, a, a vision and a prayer that said, God, let we want our Chi Alpha to look like heaven. And heaven is not just white people. And so um, and so I got started bumped into Jeremy, started encountering God. So I started going to Chi Alpha. I started being around these people that were now whites and Mexicans. And at the time, I was the only black dude. And um, God started moving and started convicting wow. my heart. And I started seeing signs. One is miracles. I started seeing all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, whoa, this is real. So God is doing this redemptive work. <laughs> I started getting cool. set free from porn. I mean, God is just doing stuff in my heart. Wow. And I'm like, yo, man, like I need to bring this to the black community on my campus. Because at the time I was also the BSU pres- the vice president. So I was like, yo, my, my brothers and sisters, like we, we need to, we need to go after this. So and real so, quick, can I tell for those of you, for the listener who's listening doesn't know what the BSU is, can you can you share yes. what that is? Yes, uh, it's the Black Student Union. Every college campus has some type of Black Student Union on their campus. So at Stanislaus State, where I went, I was the B- vice president for BSU. Wow. And so um, at the time when I was in, getting plugged into Chi Alpha, uh, man, God started working on my heart. So then Jeremy says, hey, I want you to join our leadership team because on our student leadership team, man, we can run further quicker together. And we can wow. we can make disciples of all nations. And so in my own self-righteousness, I, I said with my lips, hey, you know, I just feel like God has a different assignment for me. But what I meant in my heart was I ain't joining this all white movement. <laughs> That's what that was just real. And I felt and I felt justified because I was like, man, I, I got to reach my people. I can't do this with these white feet, these white people and a few Mexicans. Um, so I go home that summer. I deny the invitation that he gave me right before summer. So I go home. And I started working uh, at this school because I, I had summer jobs and I started talking with this other black lady that was working together with me. And, you know, we found out that we were believers very quickly. So we just start chopping it up, start talking. And she just begins to share with me how God has been working in her heart. And wow. she's like, man, I, I grew up in a black. She's like, yeah, me too. And then she was like, and then I started going to a multi-ethnic church, which is, you know, at the time the pastor is white, but man, God started shifting my heart. And, and I started being like, man, I don't want to go to this white church because it's not a black church and I need to go to a black church. And and then all of a sudden God was like, do you think that when you get to heaven, there's going to be a black and white church? There's going to be a Mexican yeah. church. When we get to heaven, do you think we're going to be separated? And wow. she's like, that's when the Holy Spirit convicted my heart. And I had to humble myself and be part of the bigger picture. And you know, when the Holy Spirit, like this lady had no idea what, I, but the Holy Spirit was just hitting me like a ton of bricks. What wow. he was doing was he was showing me my prejudices. 
And I think some of the, the challenges, especially as a minority, we don't want to talk about our personal prejudices. We don't want to talk about our personal biases. Wow. We don't want to talk about that. We're quick to point the finger, but we don't want to talk about our person. So God was dealing with my biases, my prejudices. He was like, wow, so you're, you're saying that I'm moving. Here's a people that want to run with you, but you're saying that because they're white, you're not going to do it. Point blank. And so whenever God brings things to your attention, it's always an option. Repent or move on. And God, I believe that the word says your heart will go callous if you keep denying yeah. the conviction. And so my repentance looked like asking for forgiveness to the Lord and calling Jeremy saying, hey, would you give me the opportunity to please serve on the student service team? Wow. And he said, yeah, hands down, what changed your mind? And and that was the beginning process of God working. And so I think it was unique that God used a white man who became a spiritual father, a mentor, and set me free spiritually wow. to break off racial biases. So that was a huge work. Um, the second thing that totally transformed my perspective. So now I'm plugged, I'm plugging the Kai Alpha, I'm discipleship. I'm, I see that I see it and, and um I go overseas to uh, a primarily Muslim nation on a missions trip. I'll never forget. I was sitting on a train with Muhammad and we're riding in the train and we're chopping it up for like three hours. I mean, time just flies by. We're, we're like brothers by the end of this train ride. And he's just like, man, Jamil, I got to be honest with you. And I'm like, hey, man, we're bros. What's up? He was like, man, when I first met you, I'm not going to lie. I thought you were going to try to rob me or shoot me when you got on this train. And I was like, what? He was like, I'm not going to lie. Like everything that I see on TV, how black people are portrayed, I thought that you were going to try to attack me. I thought you were a threat. He just was honest with me. And before I got ready to throw my stone, I was like, dang. Because the time that I went, it was the height of 9-11. Like I went the summer after 9-11, like a few years after 9-11 hit. And I was like, man, I'm not going to lie. I thought you were a terrorist. I, I thought you were going to blow me up, right? Because, again, the media shows you the false narrative of Muslim culture, right? So we now think that every Muslim is going to blow somebody up, which is further from the truth. Muslim, the Islamic, the like, the Arabic culture is so hospitable. I feel like I learned how to be more. I learned in my faith how to be more hospitable, how to be more caring, how to be more empathetic from the Islamic community, from the Arabic community, from so many different cultures. And that's when it hit me. It hit me on that train ride. Yo, we are not that different. We are wow. literally all made in the image of God. We all bleed. We all have dreams. We all have hopes. We all have desires. We are not different. Our, it, it expresses itself differently through cultures. Yes. But we're at the bottom of the line. We are all the same in the sense of we are all made in the image of God. We are all designed, we think the same, but it expresses itself differently through our languages and through our foods. And, and so for me, that was the revelation that said, yo, like culture is not meant to be tolerated. It's meant to be celebrated. Come on, my, bro. My, my fear is that the, that the body of Christ has tolerated culture, but not celebrated culture. Wow. So what, what I was saying was like how I went from pain to restoration mindset was experience, experience other cultures. It's easy to throw stones at a culture you don't understand. But when you sit down, and I love I love this podcast. I love the series you do lead from the table because that's what changed minds. That's what changes restoration. You turns your pain. You, you realize like, man, you're not that different from me at a table. When you're sharing life, you're doing life together. You're eating meals yes. together. You're laughing. You're crying. You're grieving together. When you do that, it shifts. 
You know what I love you just said? And I think this is why we need to listen more, learn, and then we grow. Is that you just said that when you were in that situation, he said that he got vulnerable, right? He he opened up his heart, he got vulnerable, which causes you to say, hey, I'm going to open up my heart. But what we don't realize is sometimes when we don't come around the table, right? We're moving from platforms to tables. It was at that place of encounter at the table that, you know, you had a revelation that brought transformation to you. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the other thing I, I'm seeing is that every, when we deny, when we deny people's culture, we deny an aspect of the presence of God that was hidden within that culture that gives yeah. us a fuller expression of who the Lord is and what the body's supposed to look like. You said celebrate diversity. What's keeping us right now is that we don't want to learn about another person's culture. And I would even say this as believers, we're all right doing it overseas, but we're not all right doing it with our neighbors next door. Oh, uh oh, bro. <laughs> right? We'll, we'll go overseas and spend two weeks with another culture, but we won't even go to our, you know, our, our black brother and sisters living next door, our Hispanic sister, our Asian sister, brother yeah. and sister next door. We won't go. And have a personal relationship with somebody we see every day yep, yep. and learn about their culture yep. because we've believed in narratives that are dividing us. Yes. That are dividing yes. us and keeping us fearful. Like you said, I mean, people didn't, a lot of people didn't have that perspective of, you know, you know, Muslims before nine 11. Yep. Yeah. But for, you know, and, and just think about that. Like it's created. So once again, you're not born with it. That's learned. Yep. Yep. And so I want to ask you, man, can you just release, man, you release some truth and some fire right now. What role should we be as believers today to be a part of the solution right now? Let's talk about growing, okay? Mm-hmm. We understand there's an issue. Part of actually realizing a solution, you first got to realize there's a problem. Okay, yeah. We're acknowledging there's a problem. Yeah. But as a believer in Christ, how do we become part of the solution? What is some? What are some keys or some wisdom or revelation you like to release to the listener right now? Yeah. Well, one, I think with anything is, you know, I would say be Holy Spirit led. And and here's why this is so important. I, I feel like people are, you know, hey, we need to pray. We need to pray. But here's why prayer is actually important is because when you start praying for your, if I can say, quote unquote, enemy, for those yep. that think differently than you, you can't help but get a heart for them. And God taught me that. God's can like there was a person that I was having this, the craziest like conflict with and we could not and to this day we still are not seeing eye to eye but this is where I learned his biggest revelation God's like start praying for her and I was like what nah like do you realize and God's like pray for her like pray intercede like and bless her life and as I began to intercede and pray you know what happened God actually began to show me the why behind she was acting that way wow and then that's when the revelation it hurt people hurt people and Come so on, when you can go beyond the offense and see the hurt, then you realize, wow, that's the empathy that yeah. God is trying to get us to understand. And so I would say, you know, our role as believers right now is to be praying for those that that are different than us or that we may have, you know, conflict with because of their skin color. We have to be a people of prayer and we have to look to the word to be able to find how Jesus dealt with prejudices. I feel like Sometimes we, as Christians, we just like, man, Jesus, you know, he just, he just said, don't talk about it. And it's like, no, that's, that's not true. Like Jesus dealt with prejudice. He received biases and prejudices himself. 
we see it uh, in in the first time, like what was it called? Nathaniel yeah. um, was told by his brother, hey, we found the Messiah. Yeah. And he turns mm-hmm. and says, man, can anything good come from Nazareth there? Like, do you understand the, the gravity of what he's saying by that statement? Yes. He's like, he's literally saying, dude, this dude is from the hood. Like, like that was the most prejudicial thing you can yeah. say. Yep. And Jesus knew he said it. How do we know it? Because Jesus said, when I saw you under the fig tree, I saw you coming. So Jesus yep. knew he had through this crazy presidential, pres, prejudicial uh, bias at him. And yep. you know what Jesus said when he first met him? He said, hmm. Here you are, a man who has no deceit, a true Israelite. Wait, what? Dude, you just called me a racial slur, and your response is, man, that man is a true Israelite. He is a man of no deceit. What did Jesus do? He prophesied into who he was supposed to be. And what what happened, Matt? What happened? He said, you're the son of God. Yep. So our role as believers is, man, we have to absorb the pain, but we can't pass it on. Wow. And so as a minority, as a black man, when when, you know, I, I still get stuff. I still get, you know, there's times when people are looking at me sideways by the way I dress. You know, maybe I get fall in a store, man. And I feel like and I just want to talk to I just take a quick tangent real quick, man. I, I get both sides of the spectrum. <laughs> I get the yeah. side where where I'm getting followed by by white people at stores sometimes or getting the funny eye. And then when I go and preach in white churches, sometimes they'll be like, man, you you speak so articulate, not like the rest of those black people. <laughs> Like, wait, what? Bro, I have what? To, I know that one. Right? And so and so my immediate response is to be like, just to go off. Because that's so offensive. Yeah. You just literally said that every black person, if they're not talking articulate, then they should, they're immediately against. So that's a whole other side note. But my response is in grace and love by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you treat people the way that they treat you, then we're not going to get anywhere. But if you choose to respond with a prophetic voice and not an echo of what the world is saying, but a prophetic voice of what the God is saying about them, then we know that honor and humility open up hearts. Come on, bro. And so honor and humility, I think, is our role uh, right now. You said something that was so key, and I I just wanted to spend a second on it because what Jesus did there, and we don't understand the racism that he faced of his day. First of all, even the woman at the well, yeah. A Jew and a Samaritan. There were so many class and racial divides. And then the fact that he addressed a woman, which a man yep. would never talk to at a well. Yep. And in both those stories, what was it about? He was restoring dignity because yes. restored dignity actually reveals true identity. Yes. And so what you're saying is that we need to go out of our way yes. to those who don't look like us. And help to restore yes. dignity that brings forth identity in Bro. such an expect that we would overcome any narrative, yes. any racial thing that maybe we even inherited from our families. Because yes. just to keep it real, I talked about last week, I didn't learn racism from my mom and dad. I learned it from culture. Yep. And I was taught to hate successful white men that had money because they took everything from me here in California as a Mexican. And so I had, anytime I would see somebody, oh, they're just this way, right? Until it was broken in the context of the body of Christ in my father-in-law. And so, bro, what you just, that that was freedom right there, but keep going, keep going. I know you had some more. I want to say a couple things to what you were saying. I think that God is very strategic 
and using the redemption that we all need through another race. Yep. Through another ethnicity. I think he's so purposeful to do that. I think deliverance for a black person that has prejudices, you need, it's God's going to use a white person. And I feel like for a white person who has prejudices, God's going to use a black person. Like, I just feel like God is so unique in that. But going back to what you said, think about Jesus stopping by the Samaritan. What's so significant about that, and most people know this, is that the fact that Jesus even went to Samaria, like every other Jew at that time was like, yo, we're going to go to Jerusalem, but we're going to go all the way around. They literally took almost two extra days out of their way to go to worship God because they were that prejudice that racist against the samaritan culture so the very fact that jesus said nah i'm gonna actually go to samaria like literally (laughs) like just his presence in samaria demonstrated honor come on bro i think we have to get that i think too many times including myself we go all the way around other people that are not like us yeah right but but jesus just by him stepping foot in the in the in the uh in the city already demonstrated honor we see this sure. with zacchaeus right zacchaeus sure. he's notorious tax collector everyone was like dude no one wants to be everybody hated him yeah and jesus does what jesus says hey tonight i'm gonna dine with you what Come what on, are you serious do you know who this guy is i know who he is and what does the bible tell us the bible says something very interesting it says that he said man i i know that i'm a sinner yeah and i'm gonna give back four times everything that i've done in fact, his whole house got saved. How did that Come happen? On. Because Jesus had dinner with him. How yeah. did that happen? Because when you do honor, it opens up what you're saying, identity. So I think that the part of the responsibility of the body of Christ is to actually sit down at the table. Don't just say I have a black friend. Actually go to a black birthday party. <laughs> Don't just Come say on. I have a Mexican friend. Don't even just say I have a white friend. Do you actually spend barbecues with them? Are you do your children play with each other? Do you actually do life together, not just see each other at church? And so when you do life together, some of my closest friends, we were just having um, a dinner the other night uh, with um, some white friends that are very close to us. I mean, we, they literally call them uncle and auntie. And I know that they would easily give our lives. They would give their lives to our kids and we would give our lives for their kids. But again, it's at this table that we've developed these friendship, this culture, this history we have together because why in the kingdom of God, and we both celebrate each other because we're different polar. We're not even talking about ethnically different. We're like different in hobbies. We're diverse in like what you consider would do for fun. That's not what I, I mean, music is different. But again, we're still able to come together and join life together. Come on, bro. You know what you just said? It's so practical and so good. But what what what, what is the word God said? No greater love than this, than the friend laying down his life for another, correct? Yep. The fact is, you said they're willing to lay down their life and you vice versa. Because you came to a table and had a friendship. Yes, sir. And that's the key. You're not willing to lay down a life unless you have a friend willing to lay down theirs. And, yes, uh, you know, we could keep going, but I want to ask you uh, one last question. And it's really concerning. Uh, we're, I, I mean, man, this is probably going to be huge. And then uh, I want to hear your thoughts because you have some great thoughts on this. But, you know, there's a lot of people pushing for systemic racism to end to fix the system right yeah i want to hear your perspective on this uh, as a black man in america as some of the things that you've done but also as a as a believer in christ representing the kingdom is this the answer or how do you address this i want to hear from you yeah uh, systemic racism i mean we all know that 
systemic racism is here, things need to change. Yes. But I, I, I genuinely believe that no matter how many laws, how many policies, and how many reforms that we put into place, um, rules, regulations, and laws cannot change the human heart. And so, yes, I do believe that we do need to do it. But no matter how many we put into place, I mean, we even see in the Bible, God was making laws since day one, and people are still not following them. Why? Because the heart. So you can make a law that says, yes, the police officer has to do this and this and this. Which I agree. So I'm not. I do believe that we need yeah. to make reformation. So I'm not negating that. But at the yeah. end of the day, what's going to stop that police officer from from acting out in a bias or acting out in a prejudice? Yeah. Right. It's only going to happen with the heart that's being changed, and that is yeah. literally the why the gospel is to place. Like, if people want to understand the true what what reconciliation looks like, what our nation yeah. needs, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not just talking about going to church. I'm talking about letting the gospel permeate through your heart. Because when you see that Jesus loved every ethnicity, loved every nation, every tongue, and that he was able to empathize, then you realize, man, dang, this is this is God's image bearer. This is not some dude from the ghetto. This is not some person that's up in the upper class. This is you are made in the image of God. So because you're made in the image of God, that means you're you're like me. And I'm going to treat you in that way. And so so from that heart from that place of, yes, I now see the person that I'm policing, that I'm governing, that I'm leading, from that heart of this person is made in the image of God, God, I'm going to treat him that way or treat her that way. Then we can make these reformations. So I don't think it's like, let's just make disciples and not talk about it. I think you need both. But to say, you know, I hear statements, we don't need no more praying. We don't need no more gospel. We need to make action. No, no, no. You don't understand gospel the gospel of jesus christ is the most action-oriented thing that is in the bible itself like literally like it's the compassion of god that leads you to action that's why isaiah 117 says man seek to do good correct oppression come on like correct oppression but we have to have that heart of god and then act from that heart um and so and answer your question i just feel like we we need to be able to understand that systems don't change hearts jesus changes hearts and we need jesus to change the hearts of our governors our leaders and i think you know this is another side topic but i do i do think on the topic of reforms i think in the hierarchy system of leadership rather it's in the medical and education and and police force we just need to see more more diversity period yeah because i think you know it's like you have different shades of understanding if i can use that term shades of understanding to different situations because you realize oh, okay you know and so i just think that it's kind of off balanced in terms of who has the power i agree with what you're saying jamil because i feel like at a deeper level we have believers that are complaining what's going on in our nation but if you track it all the way in our belief system of just even in our early theology when hey the rapture is going to happen god's coming back why even try to go in and influence society, right? It was the gospel of salvation that was being preached, not the gospel of the kingdom. Salvation was the way into the kingdom. Yeah. And so what was happening, we didn't understand the fullness of the kingdom and the impact that the kingdom was like leaven. So we held our people back from even going into these places of influence. Yeah. Right. And so I think there's even a bigger issue. And that's another episode, but we will have to do that. Jamil, is there any last thoughts that you would like to leave the listener today? 
two thoughts. One, I think that as the body of Christ, um, we need to give grace for each other's mistakes. And I just want to kind of clarify, um, if we're going to, I, I believe that we as the body of Christ are going to show the world what racial reconciliation is supposed to look like. That's why Jesus literally said, the world will know me by your love for one another. When honestly, an ex-white nationalist and a BLM member can be in the same church worshiping Jesus and hugging each other and doing life together, people are like, what in the world? Who is this Jesus that would get these two people together and love each other? Come on. And and so we got, you know, Colossians uh, 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive ones who offend you. And we got to give grace. <clears throat> I think the reason why it's so hard for us to talk about racism in the church is because we white people are afraid that if they even ask a question, they're going to be labeled a racist. Yeah. And so, man, we, we have to be careful not to be so quick because there's genuinely racist people. But sometimes there's racial ignorance, which <laughs> means you're just unaware that you have offensive words or actions. I mean, I walked into our Kaiafa we had in Merced, primarily Latino. So I'm like, yo, we got a Mexican group. They were like, what? How dare you? I am I am from El Salvador. I am Dominican. Yeah. I started popping off. I was like, oh, my bad. I just was ignorant. I did not know. My bad. Right? That's racial ignorance. But then there's racial insensitivity is when you knowingly or unknowingly fail to consider our actions as perceived as offensive. Meaning sometimes you you were raised with a maybe a term or a phrase you used, but you when you use it with your newfound brother in Christ or sister in Christ, you didn't realize it was offensive. And so the Bible says we have to give each other grace to make those mistakes. If we don't give each other grace, we just label you you're a racist because you just made a mistake. Then we're going to shut down the conversation. And now we don't have the ability to honor or to grow and to deal with wow. these offenses. But when you can humbly say, hey, look, when, when you make that comment about my ethnic group, that's yeah. very offensive. Hey, you know what? My bad. Please forgive me. I did not mean to do that. Wow. And now we can move forward as the body of Christ. And so I just feel like, man, like when we do things like that, God was so strategic in, in putting us together. He knew we were going to be one big melting pot, but he also gave us a roadmap on how to deal with this kind of conflict so that we can show the world how it's supposed to work. That's so, so good. Wow. A time to grow and this is how we do it. Hey, uh, Jamil, how can people continue to follow you, glean from you? Do you have any uh, social media or website or anything people can continue to, uh, just learn from you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, you can go to our website if you want to know a little bit more about our Chi Alpha ministry. It's called uh, CVXA, stands for Central Valley Chi Alpha.com. So basically, go to www.cvxa.com. Uh, you can also follow me or my wife on Instagram, uh, Jamil Stell uh, on Instagram, or Vanessa Stell at Instagram. But um, either way, uh, man, we just want to, we have a heart to hear to make disciples of all nations and we want to help lead a generation into their identity in Christ. And so, yeah, man, I just want to say too, Matt, I really appreciate you having me on this podcast. It's, it's truly an honor of mine to co-labor as we advance the kingdom on all fronts together. Well, hey, bro, I got to tell you what, I grew up not only, you know, what we don't talk about, and I know uh, we're ending this podcast, but there's racism in between races. I grew up in high school and there was wars between Mexicans and blacks. Yep. And so, I mean, just, I mean, we, I can tell you so many different things, but right now it's just become a black and white thing, but there's more that God has wanted to reveal in our hearts. And yep. I feel like you gave us a roadmap of strategy and how we can grow. And so just thank you for that, man. And uh, 
those of you listening to the podcast, you make sure to check out the show notes and you can see the website and how you can continue to follow Jamil and his wife and stay up with them. Because I got to tell you what, he's he is a forerunner and he is a voice of truth and God is raising them up in this hour. So make sure you follow him. Also remember, family is where life begins. Destiny is found. Identity is enhanced and love never ends. If this podcast has enriched your life, make sure to rate it, review it, subscribe. And would you share this podcast with a friend or family member as it will help us to extend our reach? Thank you for listening to the show today. Until next time, this is Matt Gonzalez and we are out. Be blessed. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode of the Matt and Des Experience. This podcast exists to inspire and motivate you to transform the world around you. Continue the journey with Matt and Des Gonzalez by liking them on Facebook and checking out mattanddes.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast.